Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, a.k.a. MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are literally just getting by. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no, it's been a month. I can't remember. <laughs> the Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Has it literally been a calendar month, Megan? Potentially. It's been a while. It has been a hot Yikes. minute. Yikes, yikes, yikes. So, hello out there. Hello. <laughs> good, good thing we never promised that this would be a quality program. Or regular or anything. September 22nd. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> so not and quite a whole before month. That, the one before that was August 23rd, so we're just really fucking crushing it. Yeah, we're, we're, do- we're, we're just getting by. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh boy, it is uh, October the 14th, tonight is a Wednesday um, Which is unusual for us Which is unusual for us, yes, normally if it was like regular times I'd be at trivia right now um, Oh yeah, that's right Be at a smarty pants about a lot of things So. Well now you can be a smarty pants here um, about a lot of things Um And uh, yeah, we had some scheduling issues and also I'm a big procrastinator on homework and stuff And I was like yeah, we can record this weekend, but also I have 900 things to do. <laughs> so it's Wednesday. But also, like, also there's been, like, nothing to talk about. <laughs> it's true. We, yeah, no, you know what was funny? I uh, was on Netflix at looking, like, oh, I, I could watch some new things. I could continue watching Sons of Anarchy. And then I was like, or I could just watch New Girl. I'm just going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> See, what's so funny is... Um, I had that same thought because I just like needed a distraction last night so badly so I was just like what should I watch should I watch more Sons of Anarchy like should I finally finish this fucking show I started two months ago and then the picture of the like TV show was Tig and I was just like I can't deal with your shit right now Tig (laughs) so I'm gonna watch a show about ghosts And then I stayed up till 1am watching it, so that was bad choices See, all So, okay, my question then about Sons, if the picture had been of, like, Chibs, would you have watched? A hundred percent, Megan. A hundred percent. Chibs or Juice? Yeah. Like, of course. Yeah, okay. Of course I would have. Okay. I feel the same, because, like, I pass it, and it's like, continue watching, and I'm like, someday. <laughs> So someday I'll return to you, my sweet prince. Maybe, maybe when like fall break happens and I have some time to like decompress. Yeah. Before I get back into it. That's the thing too is like I, I think you and I talked about this before how like we weren't like consuming anything because we didn't have like the emotional headspace to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up watching the haunting of Hill House like last night and today. And it was so cathartic. Really? It felt so good. I cried. Wow. Which, like, at inappropriate places, <laughs> but that's because of my own issues. And it was just, it was really nice to be, like, emotionally invested in something. Interesting. And I, like, it's a great show. It's a great show start to finish. Like, the finale is perfect. Okay. 
So I think you'd really like it. How scary is it? Well... Because I don't like being scared. Me neither. The The first five episodes are front-loaded scary. Okay. And then the last five, you kind of put things together and it becomes much less scary because you have a better awareness of, like, what's actually happening. Okay. So it's just, like, the... <sighs> The terror of the unknown is a is more frightening than like the actual like jump scares and the horror. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But the the middle episode, I think it's called Eulogy, is fucking beautifully shot. Okay. I could not believe that they did this. They essentially did like nineteen seventeen style extended cut like extended shots the camera is constantly moving around the characters as they move like in and out of this funeral home and then also like in and out of the uh stories from the past and it was fucking gorgeous i was like megan is gonna lose her shit when she sees this episode okay i will eventually get around to it i just like i just i feel like i like that it's short and i could probably handle like a 10 episode something or other because that's part of the problem right now is like getting into new things is really hard because it's like okay do i have the the time and Uh the emotional capability to Uh stick with this thing for a while what i do have the time and emotional capability to stick with is watching nick miller's hot mess of a life i can handle that for 22 minutes at a time yeah Yeah, or six hours at a time either or (laughs) agreed i think that's why i didn't want to go back to sons too because it's just like i know i've got what two seasons left yeah we got into six i think we watched like the first two episodes of six or whatever episode of six yeah yeah and and i think like the seasons get shorter, but it's still, like, I don't know if I can fucking deal with 26 episodes or something. You know? Like, that's too much. So, Haunting of Hill House, 10 episodes, about an hour each time. Okay. The finale is a little bit longer, but it's 100% worth it. It was such a nice, enclosed, satisfying story. I also heard that the some of the actors are back for, like, the second season, even though it's all different stuff yeah about half of them they're playing different characters apparently this dude mike flanagan who created it he's like a big horror director but um he's starting this like haunting anthology series okay essentially kind of like um you know what ryan murphy does but for netflix so so the thing about the blind man uh one of my because that's the second one um one of my buddies watched it all, like, on the weekend. Uh-huh. And he said it was just absolutely beautiful and that he, like, wept in some places. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, <sighs> Haunting of Hill House, like, Shirley Jackson's book is quite good. It's scary because you don't really get a tangible idea of what's actually happening. Right. Like, you can't really trust what the characters are seeing and they don't trust themselves and you don't actually know what they do see. They just feel Mm -hmm. things. And 
while the show is quite different, like, you see what they see, it's really focused on, like, the family dynamics of the Crane family, and it's, like, so incredibly emotional what they all go through. Interesting. Okay, I'm gonna probably do it at some point in time. I recommend, just based on, like, the different experiences I had, a daytime watch. Oh, yeah, there's no question. (laughs) Yeah, don't start at 8 p.m. like I did, and then watch six episodes, and then just be like, well, I'm fucked now. (laughs) Guess I'll die. (laughs) Do, do like, a a 1 p.m. to a 6 p.m., and then a (laughs) 1 p.m. to a 6 p.m. the next day. Split it up for yourself quite nicely. Perfect. But yeah, I recommend. Okay, that's Hopefully good to know. Hopefully you watch it, and we can talk about it, because there's some beautiful and crazy-ass shit that happens. Yeah, I will I will probably get around to it, because I've heard really, really good things about it. Um, I gotta finish some, like, homework stuff, because I started this course in May, and it's gotta be done by the end of October, and as per usual, because <laughs> I am the person that I am... Uh, I just finished assignment three of four last night. Haven't started assignment four. And the only reason I finished it last night is because I made a deal with someone at work who's also in school right now and had an assignment due yesterday that I would hand my assignment in the same day. (laughs) And I also, as an accountability piece, emailed it to him and was like, here, look, I'm done. Oh, that's good. Uh, because I, I am no good with fake deadlines because I know they're fake. And so there was legitimately, no, until I like made the deal that I was going to hand the, the stuff in and like send it to somebody to look at, I yeah. felt no pressure whatsoever. Absolutely. I totally get that. Like all of the pressure that I felt was, was after I was like, oh, I have seven days to get these two things finished. And then I was like, okay, I might as well do them. And then I did one, like, immediately the next day, and then I did the rest of it, like, last night. That's great. Just one left. Yeah, it's 18-ish pages worth of writing, so I gotta get going. <laughs> oh, God. I have, yeah. I have to write a chapter of a memoir and then do, like, a reflection paper. You have to write a chapter of your own memoir? Yeah. And then do a reflection on it? On the process. Which I suppose if I had, like, done it like I was supposed to do and, like, spend some time on it, I'd be able to reflect on it better. But, like, I'm trying not to think about... (laughs) I'm trying not to think about the problem of that. Although, I had an idea for what, like... You could go very meta and talk about how, like, your procrastination in life has hindered you. (laughs) And it's proven in this memoir piece. How it has hindered me, but also, like, has never stopped me from getting things that I want. So, like... (laughs) It's just, like, it's a very problematic sort of thing, and it's, like, very much rooted in, like, a perfectionism sort of deal, where I'm, like... Yes, I was reading about that. Like, kids who are perfectionists won't do a thing until they know they can do it well, and so they'll put it off and put it off and put it off. Well, it's not even just that. It's that, like, it's not that they they won't do it unless they know they can do it well. It's, like, so I, I was like this in school, too. I would be, like, all right. There's this thing I need to do, this assignment. Like, when I was in elementary school, we used to do these projects, these, like, independent study projects. And I'm not a very, like, artistic, 
crafty kind of person. I never have been. I don't really have the patience for that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that is entirely unsurprising because I was never good at it and I didn't have the patience for it. And so it wouldn't be good enough. So, like, I understand where this is coming from. But one of the things we had to do in these projects is we had to do some kind of, like, product-based thing. Because all we had to um, look at all of the different levels of Bloom's Taxonomy. And so we had oh to have a product as because that was as the application part of the taxonomy. So anyway, uh, I, when I was in grade three, I did one on a research project on the inner planets. And I don't really remember this, but my parents sure do. And I get told about it all the time, uh, how I would just sit there at the table and I didn't know what I wanted to do for the product because I had all these ideas in my head about how cool I could make something, you know, do. But I couldn't like do it. Right. Because I didn't have the skill or the ability or the patience or whatever to, like, create the product. Whereas, like, I had some classmates who were wonderfully artistic mm-hmm. and could have done the thing. And so, like, I just didn't want to do it. So my parents will tell me stories about how, especially that one, they would just be like, Megan, just do something. <laughs> and then when I was in grade four, I can't remember what the, like, subject was, but it it had something to do with like early rural Alberta something or another and so my product was cookies and I made these old like I can't remember what kind of cookies are my mom would probably remember um but they had it was like all this it was an old recipe of my grandma's that she had got from her mom so it was like a recipe that had been made like in the 20s and probably before that and it was like it, it was a very difficult recipe to make and I wrecked our mixer doing it. But anyway, that was at least like a tangible product. Right, right, right. And I'm a lot better. And you felt like you had the capabilities to at least attempt it. Well, yes. And also like it's cookies. And I mean, and my mom helped. So like it wasn't like I was, you know, <laughs> doing this on my own. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So like I remember those kind of things. And so like watching myself as an adult, as an adult student, go through the same stuff like I understand where it comes from now because even when I was like junior high and high school I would put everything off and it would drive my parents nuts and I did the same in university I would write all of my papers like the day before they were due maybe day of sometimes if they were if I could hand them in at like four o'clock I would just go to the library for six hours and just like bang out a paper and be done Oh my god, I hate you so much. Um, I hate people who do that as a student. It would make me crazy. And I never... Because I would work for weeks on it. So here's the thing, though. I would do all the research ahead of time. And I had... I was a person, like, I would always plan all my stuff. But I could never actually sit down and write until I, like, felt that crushing weight of time sitting on my chest. So, like... <laughs> so I would have, like, cue cards of quotes. And I, or, and I would write everything out by hand. And I would be like, okay, so I'm going to do this and this and this. And I'm going to talk about these things. And then I'd be like, all right, it's all planned out. Now I can just sit down and write. And as soon as it was done, I would print it. And I would go and take it to, like, the history department officer, to my professor or whoever. And then I would never think about it again. I would have never, like, I wouldn't edit it. I would do nothing. I would just be like, and we're done. I don't care how I've done anymore. Uh, and now as an adult student where I'm paying, like, you know, 1600 bucks a course uh, to do this, I'm finding, like, I know exactly how I am as a student. And so I can at least, like, navigate that. Yeah. Whereas when I was 20, I didn't quite understand the, you know, the mechanism of my procrastination at least now I know where it comes from and so I'm like all right well we can mitigate this somehow right I it's always just really enlightening for me to see how people without my crippling anxiety live 
Because <laughs> that just, like, it seems so alien to me, that whole process, to just... And, and just, like, do it well and function. Like, I just... There's just no way I could do that. I've told you about my, my, my master's degree when I was in Ireland, right? Well, vaguely. I know so okay, so vaguely of it. I I went over. It was it was like just the one school year. I started. We started class like kind of the third ish week of September and went until end of April um, for like classes. Didn't have to do any exams obviously because it was all grad grad courses. So it was just papers. Uh, I wrote mm-hmm. pretty much every paper like the day before it was due or the day it was due. Not that I wasn't doing the like the preliminary work. I just. That's just who I am. And then I spent, like, May and June doing, like, a whole pile of research for my thesis. And then, end of June, uh, my friend Erin came to visit. Uh, so, I don't know, she was there for, like, four days, maybe. Because she was studying in France, and so she, like, took a few days and came up to visit. And then, like, two days later, I left to go see my, go to London and meet my dad. And we, like, dicked around for two weeks. And then the day, I'm trying to think, then while my dad was there, my friend Ken was also there and he was visiting like Riva and Shauna. And so then we did some stuff and then my dad left on like a Thursday maybe. And then uh, Ken was leaving on the Sunday, but on the Saturday night or the Friday, like my friend Amanda and her boyfriend came. Uh, so I had like people at my house for like six and a half weeks. Didn't do sweet fuck all. Uh, in terms oh of work. God. And then I was supposed to have it in by, like, September the 6th, but it turned out I could actually hand it in, like, by Halloween, which was a bad thing for me to learn, because guess what day I handed it in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I handed it in on, like, the weekday, whatever the last weekday was before Halloween, because I had to, like, hand in hard copies in Ireland while I was still here, so I had to, like, get the print shop to deliver it to, uh, to my course coordinator or whatever. But yeah, it was, like, the last possible minute, and I was like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> And it was fun. Blows my mind. It, was, it like it makes fun. me anxious. <laughs> just like, oh god. But it's funny too because at school, I try really hard to remind kids that deadlines are really important. <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, yeah, I know what I would. But at the same time, I've never not done the thing. Like I've always handed in the homework, and I've always been there on the test day. Like I don't, you know what I mean. Yeah. So deadlines like are important. And yeah, exactly. But just like how you <laughs> how you cope with that. Deadline. Yeah, you do whatever you need to do. Yeah. There was a time in the spring when I was teaching from home and uh I couldn't sleep. Don't know why, middle of a pandemic, everything was fine. Um and I was like, well, I might as well just bang on some of this marking. So I was like leaving comments on kids' work at like three thirty in the morning. <laughs> Oh, no. And we had class at, like, 10, right? And so I put a little note in my, uh, on my Google Classroom for the two classes of stuff that I was marking. And I was like, hi, friends. I know you're going to see that I left comments on your work between 1.30 and 3.30 in the morning. Uh, and at the time I was typing this, it was, like, quarter after four. And I was like, I couldn't sleep. I just had some stuff to do. I was like, but I don't recommend you following this path. So please make sure you're well-rested. See you in a while. <laughs> I was like, and here we go. <laughs> I love that because it's also like, make no mistake, this is quality shit I've done. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I just couldn't sleep and I didn't want to lay in bed and 
just do nothing, so I thought I would be productive. But I was like, don't do what I'm doing. Go to bed at a normal time. Please and thank you. (laughs) Please and thank you. Peace be with you and also with your spirit. (laughs) (laughs) And then one of my kids was like, asked me the next, uh, the next morning in our, like, meet, it was my grade 10 IBs one. The kids were like, miss, were you an IB student in high school? And I was like, how did you know? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, like. IB and AP students are the absolute fucking worst for working on shit at, like, four in the morning. I'm just like, I don't understand you. Like, just go to bed. So I went to high school with a girl. Uh, Apparently this is, like, nostalgia hour now. I went to high school with a girl. Great student. She was, like, and she's a full IB student. Really, really bright. She would go home from school, and she would have a nap after school, which, like, I feel that now as an adult. That's very yeah. important, especially now. I have a nap almost every day. She would have a nap from, like, 5 p.m. until 9 p.m., and then she would get up, eat dinner, and do her homework. Wow. And I would always... And then she'd be complaining about how early she got up, or, like, she didn't feel very well rested, and I would be like, well, maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> if you slept from, like, 5 till 6, and then yeah, got up and... That's a and lot of daytime sleeping. Ate dinner, and then did your homework. You could start your homework at 7 instead of 10. Yeah. And then you could go to bed at 1 instead of 4. <laughs> like, it was just like, hmm. But now, do you know what I've been trying to do? What? I've been trying to put myself onto a Victorian sleep schedule, where I have, like, a first sleep and a second sleep. <laughs> Victorian sleep schedule, I love it. It's true, because, like, first oh. of all, I very firmly believe that humans are not meant to sleep, like, solidly. For eight hours. I don't think that's normal. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, I find when I get home from work right now, I'm exhausted. Like, 5.30, I want to go to bed immediately. Yeah. But if I just push through it, I can stay up until about 2. <laughs> because it's not that hard. Because, I was like, everything sucks right now. So I feel like if I could sleep from, like, 5 to 9, I could get up and do some work and then go back to bed. <laughs> I get that. And so I've been I kind of that. trying to, like, see... And it's, so far, it's not... It's not not working. It's not working perfectly yet, because I'm not... No, no huge consequences so far. So far, no. But I'm also not home at the same time every day. Whereas yeah, if I was home at the same the time thing. every day, I could do it without Consistently, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the tricky part, too, is that, like, once you get used to that schedule, your body's just like, well, what do you mean? We live in this now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want to do something different? I don't think so. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, my, I'm trying. My thing that I'm doing now is I forget who some celebrity was interviewed on some, like, chat show once, and this, like, really resonated me with some, for some reason, I have no idea who it was, or I can't remember, and they said that their grandpa was, like, just this absolute legend of a guy who every day would have a nap, but not just, like, on the couch or not just in bed, but take off his clothes, put pajamas on, get tucked in, have his nap, wake up, take his jammies off, put his clothes back on, and continue his day. And I'm obsessed with that. Like, rid myself (laughs) of these constraints of jeans and belts and bras and just, like, straight up 
go into like fetal baby mode why not well and i think so this is what this isolation and quarantine period at home before i had to go back to work in in the building taught me is that like a nap a day is a really great thing for sure and i think that's why like i mean i slept not like super great while i was teaching in isolation you know because like things were worrisome uh Less worrisome, I think, than they are now. But that's, like, an entirely different kettle of fish. Um, but I found that, like, being able to have a nap at some point in time during the day, even if it was for, like, 20 minutes, like a little power nap, mm-hmm. was just an absolute dream. Do you... Sometimes I have this where I have nap guilt. Where I'm just like, oh, like, I should have... I should have done this, or I should have done that, like... Why did I just fall asleep? Like, now the day is gone. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever have that? <laughs> did you not listen to all the things I said about okay. my procrastination? So as much as I've, like, done okay for myself, uh, it is not with, like, oh, guilt and anxiety that comes with that. And sometimes where I'm, like, at home and I'm thinking, okay, so i got to do all of these things. And then it's 8.30 at night and I'm like, well, I guess I might as well go to bed. <laughs> So, yes, I understand. (laughs) Well, (laughs) maybe a different type of understanding than mine would be, but... But no, I do, I do get it, because it's like, you have an app, but you're like, oh, I could have done this instead. I I feel it. It, Yeah. It's anxiety, man. It's a killer. Um, yeah. Have you read anything else? Anything new lately? I have. I read two books in a series by Signe Pike. Okay. And I'm just going to Google quickly what the first one was called because I cannot fucking remember. Um, she wrote The Lost Queen and the second one was The Forgotten Kingdom. And they are historical fiction about the origins of the, uh, the Merlin Okay. Mythology in England and like Arthurian legend. And they're quite interesting. I I found the first one really difficult to start and then really liked it at the end. And then the second one kind of the same. I get frustrated with how slow it moves at the start and then by the end you're just like, holy shit, so much happened and then she's just like, okay, that's the last page and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) There's no resolution here whatsoever. Um, So they're interesting books. What I got frustrated of was I believe I sent you many a screenshot of how woefully dismal the wiki pages for these legendary characters are Mm -hmm. do you remember i sent it to you and i was like what the fuck does this paragraph even say i yeah like yeah i do recall it was ridiculous it was ridiculous nonsense and i got so mad because clearly some fucking literary scholar was like i'm an expert on the Arthurian legend, and I'm gonna tell you everything this one guy says about this thing. And it was just like, it made no fucking sense. I'm like, how are you? How are you a scholar? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand how you can study literature and write so terribly. Yeah. That's, yeah, it was very poorly written. 
Uh, it was so poorly written. It, and, like, also, like, citations of the fucking yin-yang. There's, like, 70 things in that page's bibliography. And I'm just like, how can this be so, like, clearly referenced and a lot of people have gone over it and it's still impossible to navigate? Like... Well, and the other thing, too, I, I found when it was funny when I was reading that, because I had sort of the same thought, but when you said, like, how can this person be, you know, a professor of literature and write so poorly? One of the things that I've noticed in some of the courses that I've taken recently is that some of the shit that I have to read is so unnecessarily complicated. Yes. And part of that is because it's, like, it's unnecessarily complicated because the writer has chosen to show us or pretend to show us how smart they are. But like all it comes across is, is that it's someone who ran some things through Google translate a few times. And like, you know what I mean? Yes, that's exactly it. It was like, it was translated and retranslated and retranslated to the point where it was just nonsense. Yeah. And it was so frustrating. Cause I was like, okay, this book made me more interested about X so, of course, where I'm going to go first to get a baseline understanding of it is Wikipedia, because it's a great starting point for any general knowledge. And I was just like, this is making me fucking furious. And then I go on. <laughs> then I was on a binge of, like, <laughs> reading wiki pages of people who have um, declared themselves, like, independent citizens and in independent countries. Okay. And that those are just a fucking delight to read. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> there was this one oh I'm gonna try to find it. There was this one um guy from Australia who lived like fucking a hundred kilometers north of Perth and just like nowheresville. And he got so mad because Australia changed their agricultural laws about, like, how much you can produce and how much you can sell. And he had too much to sell. So he was like, no, I'm sorry. This isn't Australia anymore. This is fucking... I think his name was Lester something. I'm looking through my wiki history trying to find him right now. And it was so fucking hilarious. Just, like, his whole the whole course of what he considers like his his territory to be and like his titles he was deserving of oh man so good Where, oh yeah here it is hut river australia okay the dude's name was Leonard Casely. <laughs> he attempted to secede from Australia over a dispute concerning production quotas of wheat. He began styling himself as Prince Leonard and granting family members royal titles, although he did not include the principality in the name, yada, yada, yada. The best thing was that he died at the age of 91 in 2017. Mm-hmm. And he abdicated the throne, I'm putting this all in the most sarcastic quotes as I can, in favor of his son, and then died two years later. And then within a year, the son was like, we're dissolving the principality. <laughs> Amazing. He's like, we have millions and millions in unpaid taxes we have to pay to the government, and we cannot continue. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> 
He was issuing stamps. He was issuing coinage and passports. And it was just like, how is this allowed? That's and that was such a better wiki page than something that has been researched and researched and researched and researched. And I was just like, are you guys shitting me right now? That's funny. How can there be this such great dichotomy? That's really funny. Yeah, there was one quote from it about <sighs> some government guy was just like try. They went to like back and forth between like courts and legislation and stuff like that to get here it is. Brendan Grills, great name, Western Australia Minister for Regional Development Lands, was asked if his state had a position on the principality, and he replied, only that Prince Leonard is an enigma. <laughs> like, one of the best quotes of all time. Oh, man. That's unbelievable. And, like... Oh, sometimes Wiki just makes me so happy, and then sometimes it just makes me so mad. You know what? It's funny. I, I like stuff like that, like those kind of weird little rabbit holes that you can find yourself going down on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Because, like, it's just, I find the same thing on YouTube as well, right? You're like, you look for something, and then YouTube's like, hey, here's some, some things that are very related, and here's some things that are a little bit related, and here's just a wild card. Sometimes that wild card video is just, like, a delightful journey. Oh, for sure. Although, with those, I always end up watching Graham Norton clips. <laughs> Me too. Oh, man. Some... <laughs> it's always the end result, because oh. it somehow gets back to Graham Norton. But the, the Graham Norton show is hilarious. He is so funny. He's so funny. He's such a good interviewer. And I love how on that show, everybody is just, like, half lit. It's so great. Oh, it's what everything that American talk shows, like, should try to be. Yeah. That they aren't. The best that I've seen so far since all of this, I still think, like, I think Seth Meyers does a really good job on Late Night. Um, yeah. And he's, like, he's a pretty good interviewer. And I think part of it ultimately comes from like his sketch comedy background and like right yes. and being like the head writer of a sketch comedy show not just doing sketch comedy because those are two very different things yes but like du like organizing the direction of the sketch yeah he's he's very good i watched an episode of his show last week and amber ruffin was his guest because she's got her own show now Right. Um, and it was great. And they, they work in the same building. And so, like, their studios are in the same place. So she was at work and he was filming. And so they, like, he actually had an interview with a real person uh, instead <laughs> yeah. of, instead of like, via Zoom or whatever. And, I mean, she was sitting, like, so far at the other end of the couch. Um, <laughs> and he was at his desk. But it was awesome. Like, it was so, so, so... Uh, it was so interesting uh, to watch and, like, just kind of watch that, that dynamic. And I was like, see, he could very well work in that sort of context, like the Graham Norton kind of context. He could be that kind of host. I think so. And I think, like, more than others, what he really wants to do is just make something fun. But he's also extremely smart. <laughs> yeah, and that makes a big difference. 
It makes a huge difference. Yeah. But yeah, that's... No, I, I do that on YouTube, too. And I still, like, I still have Facebook, which I don't really know why, but every once in a while, my mom will, you know, send me things about the family, so I'm like, all right, fine. Um, and I watch lots of Graham Norton on Facebook as well. Yeah, it's just a great time. The other thing I've been watching uh, is on... It's also on Facebook. I can't remember what the channel is that... that or the pages that, that does it, but it's these people that make, like, furniture using, like... Um, or like furniture and like other things like like vases and whatever using like wood stuff and and rosin and like colors it's phenomenal to watch and i was like man people who do that sort of stuff like i think that's really neat and like that kind of skill i enjoy watching those sorts of things yes i'm also very into like candle making for some reason that's very satisfying that'll show up on my insta explore page like time lapse sped up videos Mm -hmm. of candle making and um soap making and just like people like creating or those wood tables that people do like the resin pours on so it looks like it's a river through it yeah those are really really cool that shit rules too um yeah there's lots of really cool stuff it just and it's like the algorithm is terrifying because it knows lots of things that i'm interested in and i don't like it do not like it for sure um, just like, just like your, your phone today, suggesting that you read The Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, after I texted you that I watched it today and yesterday, and it wasn't even, that's the thing, it wasn't social media, it was my library app that I literally haven't opened for a month. Mm-hmm. Just like, what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're listening. Of course they are. But why? I'm not interested. <laughs> well, and that's all we have for this week, I guess. Um, <laughs> 37 minutes. Oh, did what it. a record. Um, <laughs> well, let's put a stop and put another one in the can. <laughs> uh, I found I had found a quiz that I wanted you to do, but I can't remember where it is now. So if you have anything oh, you want to talk classic. about. If you have anything you want to talk about, I think I might be able to pull it out. Um, is there anything I want to talk about? God, this really put me in a tight spot, Megan. It did really put you Um, in a tight spot. Just re-listened to Christina Aguilera's Stripped album today, and that album fucking rules. Does it? Sure does. I don't know if I've ever listened to it all the way through, not gonna lie. There's some... There's some duds on it for sure, but I think it's one of her her best works. Also, my sister just told me that Quit Playing Games With My Heart came out 24 years ago, and I'm just really trying to you process that. You can tell your sister to go fuck herself. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Brit, but no, not Okay. <laughs> so not okay oh yeah and that's what i was going to talk about was too with haunting of hill house like it takes place in the present and then 26 years ago and that means though that it was like late 90s okay and i was just looking at like all the young kids fashions and stuff and like when people tell me 26 years ago i assume like oh mid early 80s yeah 
Yeah. No, it's my childhood now that's 26 years ago, and that's really fucked up for some reason. I know. I, okay, so I still have, I have this issue too, and it's like when you talk about something that happened like 15 years ago or five years ago or whatever, in my head, The Lion King, like the animated movie, still only came out like 10 years ago. Like, you know, it's just like, it doesn't feel like- Yeah, but it was fucking 1994 I'm or some shit. I'm very well aware. I work with a person whose favorite <laughs> Disney movie is The Lion King, and he was born that year. So- I'm very well aware so of true. of how of, of how long ago that came out, but it's just one of those really. It's just one of those really interesting things where, like, yeah, time moves by very kind of strange, I guess, in certain respects. And so, like, yeah, certain things were like that I feel were not that long ago were actually a very long time ago. But then things that happened yesterday, I'm like, I don't fucking remember what happened yesterday. No, God, no. Like. Eight years ago, Felix Baumgartner jumped from that balloon in the stratosphere. That was eight years ago? That was eight years ago today. I'm on the wiki in today list. Shit, Katie, what else has happened on this day in history? A lot of bad stuff. (laughs) Oh, that's really depressing and sad. Um, you know, 38 years ago, Ronald Reagan proclaims a capital W, capital D war on drugs. Oh, good. So it's Ronald Reagan's fault is what you're saying. We already knew that. It's okay. Well, (laughs) I think a lot really comes back to Ronald Reagan if you think about it. I think so, too. Oh, yeah. There's just not a lot of great stuff on this page. That seems wild, though, that eight years ago, like, I jumped from that balloon. Like, I remember watching that, like, being glued and just, like, needing to make sure he wasn't going to die. I know. And do you remember, too, it was just, like, it felt so crazy about how technologically advanced that was that, like, we could watch it. You know what I mean? Like, it felt like something that was not equal to but similar to people like watching the moon landing like it was like i can't believe we're like we're seeing from his perspective and there's cameras on this thing and it's so up high you can see the curvature of the, and it just like felt so it felt so crazy that that was happening and mm-hmm. someone was doing it and then you're like don't pass out don't pass out don't pass out don't die don't die don't die that wouldn't be good apparently in 2003 the Steve Bartman incident took place at Wrigley Field. Oh, poor fucking that? Steve Bartman. Okay, so that's... Oh, yeah, it sure did. That was when the Cubs were in the playoffs. And they were not very good for a very long time. Uh, so Steve Bartman was a fan. Uh, I think he may still be a Chicago Cubs fan, although the Cubs fans will disown him. Who was sitting in the front row uh, along the third baseline. Uh, and when, obviously, where. um or off the foul territory, rather, by third base. And he reached out as a foul ball came and, like, tried to catch the foul ball. As Oh, no. And he, anyway, and it interfered with the catch that uh, they were trying to make. And it turned into, like, this whole thing. And the Cubs lost the game. They lost the series. Blah, 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 blah. Didn't win the World Series. After 108 years of not winning the World Series. So, yeah, he was, like... He was, uh, like, blackballed 
I can imagine. Yeah, and he just wants the poor guy now. Like, he won't talk about it. People, like, want... Because it's been so long now, right? And then, like, there was... After they won the World Series, I can't remember what what news organization reached out to him and wanted to know what he thought. And he was, like... He basically was just like, I'm just happy that they won and didn't want to say anything else because, you know, it, like, ruined his life, basically. I can imagine so. And, like, it's not called... (laughs) You know, the Chicago Cubs, blah, blah, blah. It's called the Steve Bartman incident. And he's just a fan. And he's just a guy. I assumed, like, a fucking player, like, died on the field yeah. or something. <laughs> right? Like, what? Right? I know. I know. No, it was, uh, no, it was fan-related. And, like, I felt bad for the guy. Because, like, it's not, you know, it's not anyone's... It's not anyone's, like, desire to fuck up like that. Or be no. be made infamous for something like that. Like, that's no one's goal in life. No, he's just at a sports game and he had the human reaction of something's falling, so I'm gonna catch it. Yeah, and... Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was tough. It was really... It was really, really tough uh, to watch. And, like, he was booed, like, incessantly and... I, I think if I remember correctly, he had to, like, change, he had to move and, like, unlist oh his God. phone number and all this kind of stuff because people were, like, yeah. So did somebody, like, out him? Like, how did they figure out his whole identity? Well, because you can, like, you can see him very clearly on... I guess so. On and the TV, like, in the video. stop the press from chasing that story. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were playing the Marlins. I just had it open. I will tell you in a second. And Chicago was up in the game, and they were up in the series, too. And then it just all went to shit. Yeah, so what, yeah, I just turned, I just opened up the wiki page, and it says the Cubs ultimately allowed, okay, so they were up 3 nothing. Um, oh. Luis Castillo hit a fly ball into foul territory in left field. Moises Alou pursued the ball, left, blah, 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 blah. Steve Bartman reached for the ball, but he deflected it, disrupting the catch. And, of course, had Alou catched it, then it would have been an out. Oh, catched it, caught it. It would have been an out, because baseball's got its weird rules. Yeah. Uh, and they would have been four outs away from winning the National League pennant. Instead, because so, this was, like, obviously in the eighth inning. Uh, so, instead, they allowed eight runs in the eighth inning, lost the game, and then lost game seven. Okay, well, that's not all on Steve Bartman. No, it's absolutely... No, you're 100% correct. But it was, yeah, the poor guy. Like, it just really, really sucked for him. Oh, man. Well, that's Today in History on Wiki. We should go back to this segment. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, yeah, let's do it. Okay, I can't find that quiz. I'm going to find it, like, probably four minutes after we're done here. But I do have a lot of questions. Let's do it. Um... Okay, I'm going to go back to the podcast account first, because that's where some of the questions ended up, and then the rest of them I got DM'd to me, and I kind of laughed. Um, Okay, I think these are, like, hockey questions, though, so bear with us. Um, Okay, who was more handsome, Mike Fisher or Ryan Jones? That's a great question. Fucking Ryan Jones. Oh my god, Jonesy! Jonesy has a much more lovable face than Fisher. Yeah, and also, I don't, I mean, I don't know for sure, because I don't know anything about Ryan Jones' personal life, but I feel like he's not an evangelist, so... Yeah, Ryan probably Jones. not. 
But weird, weird two people to put together into one. I feel like it's just the hair and stuff, you know. I remember seeing Ryan Jones in Oilers Christmas party once, and being like, "Oh, that guy." Um. Okay. Questions about Taylor Hall. Yes, hit me. With the rumors that Taylor Hall will end up in Edmonton next year, how realistic do you believe they are, and how big of a party will we throw when our boy comes home? Well, zero. I have some thoughts about this, which I yeah, feel like I've been pretty that. clear about. I don't want Taylor Hall to come back to Edmonton. Uh, I feel like, A, the ship has sailed. Uh, uh-huh. I feel like I would rather see him be successful elsewhere. I'm very upset that the Coyotes weren't better. I would have really loved to see them like in the Stanley Cup final just here in Edmonton. <laughs> I feel Me like too. it would have been And they had they had all the pieces too. They just could not fucking score against Colorado. No. And that's too bad because that would have been super fun. Um so with those rumors, I will not throw a party. I keep joking with Alex and Avery that I'm gonna flip a table. Uh, if that happens. And it's not that I don't think that he would probably be a good fit with the pieces that exist in Edmonton and whatnot. But I kind of feel like I don't want to see him back here, but I also don't want to see all of the people who, like, really don't like him complaining about it either. Like, I'm just kind of done with all of it. Right. But here's the thing. It's not going to happen. It very well could. The possibility does exist, but I it's unlikely. I don't think so. If you read the quotes about, like, why he chose Buffalo. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he wants to be in a place where they want him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, yeah. no, and I'm to, aware. Like, for him, he... I feel so bad for him because, like... For him, loyalty is huge. Mm-hmm. And he can't commit to something that he can't be loyal to. And he's been, like, heartbroken over and over. Like, New Jersey was like, we want him here long term. We're so happy that, like, we got him in the trade. We didn't even think it would work. Mm-hmm. And we've been, like, having meetings. And, like, he really likes John Hines. And so we're going to keep John Hines. And then it's just, like everything just fell apart and then he just got more and more bitter Mm -hmm. about the business and I just don't think I think that's his first heartbreak and it's not gonna happen yeah I think you don't go back to an abuser Megan well and I think the thing the, the the difference between now and like two years ago is that management is different different coach like I wonder if that might play a role um but the people at the top? No, uh, well, and that's exactly it. Like, that's... And also, like, who the fuck would want to come back to this dumb fan base? Yeah, I mm-hmm. said it. I said it. Take it up. I think you've said it many times. Take it up with the commissioner. I don't care. Um, like, <laughs> I just... There's something... That's his job, taking fucking fan complaints. There's, there's something about hockey fans in this market that I find just absolutely aggravating. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 I admire the guys who like do sign here and want to be here and like, you know what, for a chance to play with Connor McDavid and whatever, sure, cool, do what you gotta do. But like, Tyson Berry signed here, he had been in, in Toronto uh, and he signed here as a free agent just, you know, last week or whatever. 
Uh, and he was so, said something about how he was looking forward to getting out of Toronto and, like, into a better market. Oh. And I was like, oh, my dude. Good luck, bro. <laughs> what, a, the wrong choice. what have you done? You should go somewhere where they don't care about hockey because this is not the place. Yeah, go to the fucking Sun Belt, dude, yeah. and you'll never have a problem. Yeah, I, I found that just to be really interesting. So, like, I feel like there's something about this market that's just very very troubling and I don't I as I've said to people before and I feel like I've said on this podcast Taylor's free and he can just he's free go be free he's trying to figure out his life and that's great and also like he and it like when the he signed that contract and people were like oh my god eight million dollars oh my god Buffalo and I was like yeah he's no dummy like we all no, know of course he's not. we all know that he's quite smart um and he's no dummy, and he was probably looking and being like, well, this is financially the best option for me right now, rather than mm-hmm. locking into, like, a five-year deal or a six-year deal somewhere for much mm-hmm. less. Because if he has a good season, he can play himself into a better contract, and the market will be a little bit better, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. And, like, his, he's based in Ontario. Like, it's super close. Yep. I think he wants to be a lot closer Yep. To where his home is. And that's like, I understand it. Like, I get it. And it's nice that he was able to make this choice for himself. Because mm-hmm. the last three years, like, people have been making choices for him. And he's yep. miserable. And like, now he's fully in control of where he ends up next, basically. Like, he exactly. has he has all the power. So, like, all the power to him for making that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, another non-fun question... Uh, it's an interesting one, though. It was from my friend Erin. She wanted to know, uh, basically, like, if about the U.S. election and whether or not more people voting this time around is going to make a difference. Um, make a difference meaning... Meaning, like, if we've... Because you've been hearing stories with, like, advanced voting and stuff, and there are more people registered. Like, apparently in Texas, they have almost, like, 16 million people registered to vote. Um, mm-hmm. out of, like, 17.6 million people that are eligible. Like, that's a huge number. Yeah. Um, and so more people registering and showing up to early voting, doing the mail-in voting in states where it's, like, not being shut down and all that kind of stuff, is it going to make a difference in what those election results are? Like, is it going to be more reflective of what the general public wants, or is the Electoral College going to, like, steal it away one way or the other, or... Are we seeing, well, that's are we seeing people think... registering on the, the, the left side of the spectrum to be like, holy fuck, we cannot have this again? That's the thing. And, like, you bring up the Electoral College, and that's, like we learned in the last election, it doesn't matter what the majority vote is, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, their concept of democracy is a flawed at best. But if you're... Oh my god, he's going back to number four in Buffalo. Is he? Yes. Oh, that's exciting. Good. The Sabres posted a photo of it. Good job, Buffalo Sabres. Uh, I will follow them on Instagram now. I'm going to send it to you right now. Perfect. Um, and so, like, my point is, is that, like, when we say that, we mean, hopefully, a Democrat victory. But, like, yes. it should have been a Democrat victory last time. So, I don't know how many people need to vote for it to be the right choice. Because it should have been last time, you know? Like, I'm glad that there 
hopefully voter percentage is going to be so much higher than previously because I think that's important. Mm -hmm. But whether or not it's actually going to affect the overall outcome just doesn't seem to be in the people's hands. Well, no, especially, like, there's so many things going on that could potentially take this out of the people's hands. Yes. So that's why it's, like, we can say that we hope that. I think in a different country, in a different system, Mm -hmm. it would almost be guaranteed that it would be more reflective of the will of the people, right? But. Mm -hmm. If you're going to make voting compulsory, then it that's, like, your maximum representation, right? But... Yeah. Yeah, their, their, their system is just so fucked. I just don't know. Yeah. I don't get it. I just don't know, man. I don't really understand it, and I... I, I mean, I do understand it, like, I, I, I think. And I understand why the Electoral College was in place to start. Like, that makes sense to me, but it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense anymore. No, it makes sense when the enfranchisement is not every citizen. You know what I mean? Like, Yes. Yeah, but in modern times it makes no fucking sense. So here's a follow-up question to that. Assuming that Trump is defeated, and like defeated summarily enough that there can't be a, like, a court challenge? Because that's of course the issue now. Um... Do you think that that will shift politics in Canada away from that, like, radical populism that we are seeing sort of sweep the nation? No. I think, like, we're America's long-lost cousin, and we look up to them for culture and information and technology and goods and like we're so interdependent with them that I think we're always a step behind and so maybe it'll take another election cycle for maybe that change to fully come around like to get a new generation of people voting Mm -hmm. I think is really important and I think that's a huge factor in this election like a lot of people are saying like my family always votes Republican, and it's my first election, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's... I think that's really important to add to the voter populace for different perspectives, because the dichotomy between the youth vote and the senior vote is, like, just worlds away from values, so... Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I hope it does, but I'm not sure. Well, and I don't think it's going to take... Like, it's not going to happen immediately overnight. But I wonder, like, our our next federal election, I mean, assuming that we don't have one in the interim, is scheduled for 2023. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I'm I'm curious to know, like, if that happens, if there is a shift away from that, like, radical... Is that enough time? Is that enough time? And and because between now and then, there's going to be, obviously, like, municipal elections in some Mm -hmm. of our big cities and provincial elections elsewhere but I wonder if then if that's enough to like mobilize people to be like hey you know what we we can actually oppose this like there is a way to do that yeah I think in Canada though the like usually the radical populism is to the right Mm -hmm. so 
in Canada, though, the tricky thing is always the left split because our leftist and centrist parties are so... They seem to be so traditionally similar that people will often vote more center even though maybe their their values are left because they think it's a wasted vote. So, I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky. I think our... Our multi-party system makes people vote strategically rather than what they truly believe. Like, do you remember when we were all worried about Wild Rose? Yes. And so we voted the Conservatives in, and then it was like corruption scandal after corruption scandal after corruption scandal? Yeah. Like... Maybe we should have just let it happen then and it would have fizzled out by now. Well, there's lakes of fire promised, Megan, so... I know. I know. Well, see, this is the thing right now, like, in Alberta, the, the thing that I feel very strongly about is that the UCP is just the wild rose without saying things like lakes of fire. It's not that they don't yeah, believe just, them, they just don't say them. They decide that they're going to outsource 11,000 healthcare <sighs> jobs somehow. Yeah. I hate them so fucking much. And if you do like them and support them, I'm sorry, but you're fundamentally wrong. Yeah. You need to fucking check yourself before you wreck all of us. <laughs> like, yeah. The, yeah. That's, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, let's not talk about politics. I got a bunch God. of other great can, questions. Can I just make a suggestion, though, that the title is Check Yourself Before You Wreck All of Us? Yes. <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have to work it into the formula, but yes. Can you write that down before we forget? <laughs> I'm actually going to text it Okay, because otherwise we will immediately forget. This podcast, much like the papers that I wrote, I don't listen to. I, I make sure that the audio, like, at the beginning matches up, and then I just hope for the best at the end. Um. Oh, Megan, you could have told me that we started 24 years ago, and I would have believed you. <laughs> so, but no, I just, I don't. I don't listen to it, so, like, I hope that it's best. But when we have these clever ideas for titles, we do need to write them down immediately because we will <laughs> we, we will forget. <laughs> okay, um, question, this is a whole, there's a whole pile of them here. Uh, and what, two of them led me to say, you inhuman monster. So, uh, first one is another one about Taylor Hall, but it's a better question about Taylor Hall. Uh, I'm sure you've covered it before, but why do you like Taylor Hall so much? It's a great question. Well, from my perspective, see my published works. <laughs> <laughs> I've been quoted in two publications. <laughs> uh, what's not to love? Yeah, I... So... Speaking of what's not to love, just when he was made his announcement to, like, Sabres fans about, you know, how excited he was to be playing in Buffalo or whatever, and he talked about, like... His excitement was palpable. But how, but I was talking about how, like, me, he thought maybe he should, like, jump through a table. Uh, that's because Bills fans do that. That's, like, a thing that Bills fans do at tailgates is, like, jump through tables. Oh, okay. And when I, I saw that, know. I was just like, you fucking king. <laughs> you just go for it. Um... I remember, like, back when he was in the World Juniors, like, playing for Team Canada in his draft year, because he would have been 18 when that tournament happened. Um, being, like, and the Oilers were just absolutely terrible. The very first time I mentioned Taylor Hall uh, on my Twitter was, like, January of 2010. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because the Oilers were really terrible. They, I don't know, they probably lost like 17 to 3 to like, I don't know, the Islanders. And I was just like, well, <laughs> if they keep being this bad, maybe we'll get Taylor Hall. Was essentially like where it was. And so from, you know, that like whole Taylor versus Tyler debate. In my yeah. mind, there was no debate. I was like, I, I like Tyler Sagan. I didn't have an issue with him as a player, but I wanted Taylor Hall on this team. And that's what we ended up with for a while. Um, and yeah, it was just like long running history. And I just always like have found that he's been fun to watch. And I was like, when he first broke into the league, I really enjoyed watching him play. And then he just became my favorite player, and then the Oilers uh, ruined my dreams. So, here we are. Here we are. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was, like, January of 2010. I would go back and search in my, like, Twitter, like, do an advanced search, but I can't because it's probably going to take seven years to get back to, <laughs> to all of you all of the Good times I have mentioned Taylor Hall. I couldn't even tell you how many there's been. Um, yeah. I have said some great things about Taylor Hall, though, uh, in my... Step on my face, good things? In my life. Like, the one time I do remember uh, saying, um, I was watching the Oilers game, and Drysaddle and Hall were on the same line, and Kevin Quinn said something about how is always looking for Taylor Hall, and I was like, I am like Leon Drysaddle, and that I also am always looking for Taylor Hall. Absolutely. Just things like that. But no, honestly, like, I really... I really just liked watching him play, and I was very, very sad, as we all know, <laughs> when he got traded. It was a devastating, devastating day. Absolutely was. It was a devastating day for us on numerous levels, and we've discussed it. <laughs> we have, and boy, did it suck. Um, okay, great questions here. Uh, what do you think the radical left is most wrong about? Oh. That's a really good question. I think I I have a I know what it is I think the radical left is most wrong about and I don't and I'm sure this happens on the to the the far right as well but I don't pay that much attention for obvious reasons so I think the radical left is most wrong about cancel culture um, yeah, I'd say that, and also it seems to be the more extreme you go on both sides of the spectrum, the less um, multiculturalism is encouraged, mm-hmm. and I think on both sides that's wrong. Yeah, like I find I find the whole notion of cancel culture to be very troubling. Yeah, um, there are people who have done some really scummy, shitty things. And they should, abs- like, I feel like you need to be accountable for the scummy, <laughs> shitty things that you do. But I also feel like... People are allowed to make mistakes and people are allowed to grow and change. Yeah, and, like, like one of the things that I notice happening with, like, in, in sports is, you know, when, when the NHL draft takes place or, like, the NBA draft or whatever, or the NFL is, is a big one, too, where... You know, so so and so from some somewhere gets drafted, and someone immediately goes back and searches through like their oldest tweets to find like the shittiest thing that they've ever said. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that was when the kid was fourteen. 
Like, I can appreciate that when you're 14, some of your, like, adult personality is beginning to form and some of those beliefs are galvanizing a little bit. I can appreciate all of those things, but also, like, we you're don't 14. know. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, and I find that very problematic. And I find that a lot of that comes from the left. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, well, look at this one, this bad thing that he said seven years ago. I'm like, yeah, but that was seven years ago. And, like, I get it, but people can grow and people can change and people can, you know, own up to their mistakes. Or perhaps we need to remember that seven years ago when this person said the thing, he was not the only person who said the thing. And we were all very okay yeah. with other people saying the thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, Absolutely. I think that's what they're most wrong about. I think that's fair. I don't know if it necessarily just exists on the radical left, but yeah, I I get that. I find that so frustrating too, because it's like, who among us, you know, mm-hmm. like, don't throw fucking stones in your glass house, like. Mm-hmm. You can say counsel whoever you want, but how do you know that you aren't also in that territory? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I also think that, like, on both sides of the spectrum, the the willingness to engage in violence as dissent mm-hmm. is a bit too eager. I think so, too. There's nothing wrong, like, because what, what that starts to, when I, I think about when I teach social 30 and we talk about, like, radical whatever, and that radicalism doesn't just exist on the left, mm-hmm. that it can exist on the right as well, which is why when we talk about that spectrum, it's actually, like, a circle and not a straight line. Yes. Because... And that's the tricky thing, because on the left side, it's usually like, okay, we're going to bomb this air base to protest um imperialism i'm thinking of like the german like the what were they the red the red army faction yeah and the you know we're gonna bomb this um department store and it's like okay but who you're killing are not the wealthy Mm -hmm. like the people that you're hurting are your peers mm-hmm. and that's not going to I yeah I always have tricky with that about like your methods are not going to be effective when you're not actually achieving what you think you are yes like you're also getting minimum wage people like those are your victims you're not fucking getting the multi-million dollar you know CEO who's fucking using sweatshops like Mm -hmm. it's it's never that result and so it's not really that effective yeah it's just it's just damaging it's just fear provoking and that that always makes me questionable yes i yeah i think that's probably fair okay another like semi-political question but it also made me laugh if you had to have an affair with one prominent right winger who would it be (laughs) what (laughs) I, I, I've had this question in my inbox for, like, over a day, and I don't have an answer for it. 
Oh man, I think it'd be enjoyable if it was Ben Shapiro and then you just like fucking posted pictures of his tiny penis all over the internet. Yeah, that would be pretty good. Have you read about how his, like, he basically says that, like, women shouldn't enjoy sex and that he's (laughs) never been with a woman who's, like, not needed lube, basically? And I'm like, like, Ben, that's on you, my dude. I know. The, like, the ways in which men on the radical right fucking self own themselves day in and day out and take it as a like they're taking pot shots at other people it's like uh <laughs> you <laughs> just fucking outed yourself as someone who's really bad at sex <laughs> like, they do it every fucking day it drives me crazy i know but it's also How um maybe soap twos it's absolutely amazing um it's just it's an incredible thing i like i do not have an answer like i don't i don't know i don't know I just don't think I could. Like. No. Like, I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, here, here's how I'm gonna answer this question. I feel like I have, like, a, I feel like I have, like, a way into the answer. I'm gonna say, I, I'm gonna say The Rock, even though he has, like, said to himself, said out loud that he's an independent. not. But just hang on. He is definitely... Definitely switched his like voting allegiance from registration from like Republican to Independent. Yeah, like because it, it's it was it was out there before that he was like a Republican, mm-hmm. and I think but the problem of course is that he's not like it's not there's nothing wrong with it because like he's obviously realized like hey wait a second maybe that's not the best way to be so like there's no answer to this question I don't I don't know I don't I just I don't know. I'm just like, oh, what's his name? Um, did you watch House of Cards? Yeah, some of it. Um, in the second last season, there was a guy running against what's his nuts, and he was in the killing. Oh, what's his fucking name? He's like some Swedish dude. I gotta Google it. Um, bum, bum, bum. Nope, that's the concept of killing Wikipedia. Thank you. <laughs> Is it Joel Kinnaman? Joel Kinnaman, yeah. yes. If that's who it was. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. I could be perhaps convinced, but would I also, you know, pull a Stormy Daniels and write a <laughs> tell-all? Yeah, exactly. That, that's an impossible... <laughs> Mama's gotta make some cash. <laughs> that's an impossible question, because there's, like... There's so many things about it that are just, like, absolutely abhorrent to think yes, about. absolutely. Right? And, like, and part of it is, like, allowing someone with that kind of ideology to get close to you. Is, like, that's part of the thing that's abhorrent. But, Megan, it's for the greater good. <laughs> it, that's not part of the question. It's just as if you had to, who would it be? There's no benefit to anyone for this. No, I've, I put that. It's a justification for myself. <laughs> uh, okay, if this is this question made me laugh out loud, I'm glad it made me laugh out loud uh, in the afternoon, not in the morning when my kids were watching Schindler's List. Um, oh, <laughs> that would have no. been real terrible. Here's the question. If your class was on a trip and crashed on a desert island, do you already know which student you would eat? <laughs> 
<laughs> and it made me oh, laugh because so I was like, oh, 100%. There's like three of them in here that I would definitely sacrifice. Um, but I, yeah, it just like when I read it, I was just like, yep. Not even necessarily sacrifice, but like, do you know deep in your heart there's some kids who ain't gonna make it? <laughs> you know? It's true. Let's put them out of their misery now. So, it's like, it might just be a matter of time. It's very true. <laughs> anyway, it made me laugh. This is a good question. The answer it's is unequivocally yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. And as an aside, any teacher who says they don't have a favorite student is straight up lying to you. Lying. Uh, next question. This is all from the same person, by the way. What's the deal with airline food? <laughs> Which also made me laugh. I will say this. Oh flying home from Sweden... Uh, R.I.P. traveling. Um, on SAS? No, we flew home on KLM. Uh, oh, yes. Sorry, KLM. That yes. food was phenomenal. Their food was, was really so, so, so good. Yeah. KLM forever. Yeah, it was It was good. The only other, like, experience, flying experience that I've had that even, like, is close to that was when I flew in Qantas. Uh, when I went to Australia. Like, that's yes, it. the Qantas food was also extremely good. Yeah. And I wonder if Although, part of it for them is because out. they do all these, like, long like long flights, right? Yeah. Yeah, they have to. Because it would be unreasonable. But also, shout out to Air North, who gives you a warmed cookie. And that's really fucking good. Oh, nice. Oh, I miss White Horse sometimes. Every time I, every time I think about air travel, I think about oh, that bitch, that bit, that bitch. Sorry, that bit in that, <laughs> in that John Mulaney yeah. sketch. I had I had a lot of words there, just all rammed together. Um, that bit in that John Mulaney sketch where he's talking about like how great it is to like have a girlfriend and she like helps solve problems for him and stuff, and yeah. then and how he lets airlines just treat him like garbage, and then he has a jingle about Delta Airlines, and he's like, because we're Delta Airlines and life is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and every time I think of air travel, that's what I think of. I get that. Mulaney has also instilled in my brain every time I'm at the zoo, tell them we're here. <laughs> the other thing that I think of when I think of John Mulaney is when he talks about robots and like having to tell the, tell the robots that you're not a robot so you can access your stuff. I know. <laughs> and then he's like, so fucking mad. what? <laughs> Just, great phrase. Uh, another question, other good thought provoking question. Um, which slurs do you think should be taken off the slurs list and put back into common usage? Well, it seems like the, like, when I was a kid, certain things were not allowed on TV. And it seems like now you can say ass, you can say hell, you can say bastard, you can say goddamn. Yeah. And I feel like in the 90s, those were censored those were like after 11 o'clock after 11 yeah and it just seems like the i just don't think those are swears anymore no like, that's I don't true know. if it's on mainstream tv how can it be a swear it's true i kind of feel and i i, I don't know if i want to say it because i don't think i want to say it but i like how the british and the irish use the c-bomb i i find like that's a much more like it's just a a thing whereas like here it's become such a like an awful 
Yes. Such an awful connotation to it. And there's a Russell Peters, there's been in a Russell Peters sketch where he talks about that. Um, and he, and he... Here it's so much of, like, a gendered slow and over, a slur, and over there it's, like, the equivalent of wanker, you know? Like yeah, and I, and I feel like over there it's, it's just... It's casual. It's, well, I remember being in Dublin and, like, hearing these kids in the, the park, because there was a school not far from where I lived and, like, their school grounds were all gated and stuff, and so, like, they were in there, um, whatever, recess, lunchtime, after school playing like netball and other things and like just calling that each other that because that's at eight years old because it's just a name like it's almost like in in certain ways it's like it's not a nickname but it's like it's like buddy like in that kind of that kind of way that yeah. we would use it and i i wish that we were a little bit more liberal with it well yeah in the sense that it's not so gendered yeah you know? like it's not I don't think there's really a male equivalent of how that slur is used here. No. No. It's just extremely, extremely <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, in the UK and in, in Ireland, it's not. And here's the last question. It's like a fuck, marry, kill, but a little bit more complicated. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Okay. So, instead of just fuck, marry, kill, you're, you're marrying one with the promise of lifelong sexual chemistry. Make a vicious and public enemy of the other and torture the third to death. So these are our three options. We have okay, Chris Pine. Can you repeat? Okay. Can you repeat? Marry one with the promise of lifelong sexual chemistry. So it's like the fucking marry all together. Good things. Got it. Uh, Got it. Make a vicious and public enemy of, of the second one and torture Love the this. third one to death. Lovingness. Lovingness, this is our new criteria. Okay, are this you... This is the most specific criteria, and I'm obsessed with it. Are okay. you ready for the options? Chris oh, Pine. No. Oh, no. Brad Pitt. Paul Rudd. Oh, no. <gasps> to which oh, I said, no. you inhuman monster. The most, like... These are the most safe white men <laughs> so here is the the the, the so follow-up he said i almost went with evans not because you like him the most but because his goofy face would be the hardest to feud with or torture it would hurt the most when he publicly slandered you and i was like fair and i was like but now you could talk about his dick pic uh as like you know getting back but chris pine brad pitt paul rudd marry one with the promise of lifelong sexual chemistry Make a vicious and public enemy of the second and torture the third to death. Oh my god. I have never been so speechless. Because how can you life. not want to marry Paul Rudd? I know, and that's the thing. And I wouldn't want... Okay, so here's the thing. You do him the second one because I think he's actually too nice to say anything bad in the media about you. So you would look like a fucking asshole. Yeah. And he would just be, like, absolutely not engaging with it. Yes, and okay. And I'd be willing to take that hit. Okay. If I had <laughs> the first one with Chris Pine. <laughs> <laughs> and then you torture Brad Pitt to death? Yes. I kind of... I guess so. I, see, I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know how to justify making an enemy of Paul Rudd, but I think that that's how you make an enemy of him. Because yeah, I think you're right. I, I think... think... I think you, here's the thing, <laughs> for the greater good, <laughs> <laughs> you, 
you have to sacrifice Paul Rudd for the lifelong sexual chemistry of Chris Pine. Like, it just, it just has to be done. There's no alternative to that. I think it's true. I think that is what you need to do. And it really sucks because we had the Brad Pitt conversation. And I do I believe know. our advice about Brad Pitt was anytime you get a chance to fuck Brad Pitt, you fuck Brad Pitt. I know, but here's the thing. Could it be sexual torture? <laughs> it does not say that it couldn't. <laughs> it also doesn't say that it couldn't be sexual humiliation. Like, you know, make a public enemy of them. There's oh, there's a lot of ways into this. <laughs> Perfect. I almost said it would be the best of both worlds, and that's just too far even for me. <laughs> oh, so anyway. the whew. All right, so I'm going to screenshot that and send you those criteria because I feel like those should be our criteria. Yes. I, I also think... have a picture of Paul Rudd that you need to use for the picture for this episode. It's phenomenal. Okay, but here's the thing with Paul Rudd. And this is why you couldn't do the third one with him. It's because he's fucking immortal. It's true. So <sighs> now you've got me it's thinking. Really got you thinking. Yeah, I had to like. <laughs> I've been put my finger up to my lips and everything. I was like, wait a second. So here's the thing. Brad Pitt, like, is closer to death. <laughs> Like Paul Rudd's like fifty, isn't he? They're close. Um, no, I was thinking about Brad Pitt and his like reputation, and how all of the things that have gone on, like Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie, and like you know all of that, and he's just ultimately come out of it completely unscathed. So I don't know. There's some nasty stuff happening right now. He's fifty six, by the way. Yeah, and Paul Rudd's like fifty. Like they're not yeah. that far apart. But Parwood also looks like he's buying up. He's like 40 ish. I feel like he's just 40. But like. Exactly 40. But for. August 26, 1980. But for the most part, like, Brad Pitt has come out of all of this unscathed, right? Like, much like a white man tends to do in most situations. Yes. Like, he's been. So I wonder how hard. Like, and this is the thing. Like, how hard you would have to work to make a public enemy of him, I don't know if it that would be worth it. But here's the thing. The phrase public enemy does not have to be two-sided. Like, you can proclaim someone your enemy and they can be like, I don't fucking care. No, you know? that's true. Like, but I'm, but even just to, to make, like, to... Because you have to make them a... It's a vicious and public enemy. So it's not just like, oh, you know... I hate him. Like, there there has to be some work involved to get to that point. True. But I, feel, I think you might be right about Paul Rudd. I think he would just take it and be like, okay, sorry? Yeah. Like, I think that would be the easiest one. Not necessarily to do because there's a lot of, um, like, fodder for it. But because it would go... <laughs> unnoticed <laughs> you know what I mean like it wouldn't be an end all be all for him and it wouldn't for you either no no that's true that's true anyway um those were our questions for the week so thank you for the questions for the week you mean for the fucking month until we record it <laughs> hey I'm trying to be optimistic here <laughs> that we're gonna get back on a little bit of a schedule maybe 
Maybe we'll try. Well, I'm moving in two weeks. I know, so. I was going to say, you got some <laughs> shit coming up, so who the hell... But the week after you take possession of your house, I have a week off. That's true. Right? Where I'm available in the daytime. Yeah, so that'll be a lot So easier. we could maybe... I also feel like we should do a movie at some point in time, again. Yes, I can't wait for the holiday movies coming to Netflix. Yeah, there's going to be lots of them. But yeah, we should absolutely, because now we have, like, the Netflix party, so we can watch them at the same time. And right. not have to, like, worry about being synced worry up or whatever. Synchronized, yes. Oh, so much work. Um, but yeah, so we'll get around to one of those one of these days. Uh, and we'll try and be a little bit more regular than once a month. Is what we're hoping Trying. for. Trying. Just barely getting by. Um... Yep. So that's all we have for the week. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, you can find our things on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and probably Google Play. I got an email from them a while back. I should probably read it. They've changed some things in their podcasting. Maybe not Google Play anymore. I'll, we'll let you know. Um, we have Who a website. Uses it, though? Seriously. True. We have a website. It hasn't been updated in 20 episodes. <laughs> I'll get to it one day, fam. <laughs> <laughs> we have an Instagram, which will be updated more frequently probably um garbage fire podcast you can email us garbage fire podcast at gmail.com all i get when in my email is when i log into a different device and it's like hey was this you yes yes it was so like send us an email um oh something i forgot to tell you did i tell you i retired the damn paperclip twitter account no yeah i got well it's still up there so i can still use it but i got very angry at david staples about three weeks ago four weeks ago and I was like you know what I'm not it's not even worth my time to make fun of this jack wagon fuck this guy and that was the end of that okay that's understandable yeah yeah and then I also uh would like everyone to go visit nomaskalberta.ca <laughs> yep just just please please and thanks that'd be great just please just check it just check we'll it out it see, what, see what happens it's a great website uh yeah it's, it's a wonderful website. website it's awesome um yeah that's all that, those are all the places you can find us uh we'll do a movie one at some point in time and once things kind of settle down maybe we'll have a little bit more time to get our shit together <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or just have things to talk about. Yes, that's true. Once things settle down and we both, like, have the mental capacity to, like, consume new media. Maybe I'll finish The Crown Season 3. Who the hell knows? Oh, shit. Yeah, is that later this month or is that November? I feel like it's in November. So I will finish 3 before 4 comes out. So we'll at least have some things to talk about. Oh, my God. I can't believe you haven't finished 3. I know. It's I've got, got 4 left. Fucking, four left. um... What's his name? Uhtred's hot young son in it. I know, I have, I know, I know. I have, I have four left. So I'll get there one of these days. It's been like two years. (laughs) It's not been two years. At least one. Yeah, I know, it's been a long time. (laughs) Anyway, but not two. Um, So yeah, we'll have some things to talk about once stuff kind of settles down a little bit. And we'll try and be a little bit more regular. Um, But until then, as always, thank you so much for listening. Keep fit and have fun. (laughs) 